You good morning, everybody. Ah, much more awake than the first service. I love it. <clears throat> How we all doing? All right, okay. It's a new year, new season, new opportunity. So I got to ask, um, Paul and I were talking about it uh, a while back about uh, maybe New Year's resolutions are just things that preachers keep around. So uh, wondering, who made a New Year's resolution or a New Year's goal? Oh, wow. This, this group has got way more than the first service. I love it. Well, I hope that you are able to keep all of your goals. But uh, stats show, uh, while well-intentioned, uh, usually it doesn't work out as well. Um, usually, it, actually, stats were it, it was really interesting. 23% usually quit by the end of the first week. 43% usually quit by the end of the month. And Strava, the, uh, the app for running and such, they have a day. It's usually the second, the second Friday of the month that they start. They call it Quitter's Day. <laughs> so it's like, if you can make it past Quitter's Day, you got a chance. Um, and it's unique and interesting because you know, goals and resolutions and those types of things are important to our everyday life. Right? We, it helps us to give clarity and focus about where we should put our time, energy, and effort. It helps us to be able to understand uh, what we want to accomplish, make dreams reality, and also it helps us keep a paycheck. You know, usually you have to deliver on your goals in order to be able to sustain yourself. Well, so as I was contemplating this morning, I was thinking like, well, why do we fail so often in all of our all of our resolutions, or not even make them, get to the place where, why bother making them? Well, often what I was thinking is that we, ultimately, we lack a clear why. We don't really understand the end of what we're trying to really get to. Sometimes it can be because that end is unrealistic, or that we don't plan well, we're not held accountable, negative self-talk, why keep going, but I think ultimately it becomes with, do we really know where we're going? Do we really know what we're trying to accomplish? Do we begin with the end in mind? Jesus began with the end in mind. And my hope being a new season, new year, new opportunity, I'd love for us as a church to be able to begin with the end in mind as far as for what it's going to look like to be able to follow Jesus and to do so this year. So if if you would, would you pray with me right now? And let's ask God to be able to open up our eyes and hearts and minds. And Father, I ask that you would do that just now. That you would open up our hearts and our minds, our bodies, that you would settle our bodies to be able to hear from you. That you would open up our ears to hear from you. And I pray, God, that this would be a time for us to refocus so we can know what our end is, which is ultimately to become more and more and more and more and more like you. Help us, Jesus, to look more like you. In your name we pray, and everybody said. So if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles if you brought them. And if you haven't, get out that phone, you know, and uh, send a text to that other person for me. And then uh, also open up the Bible app and, and turn to Luke 4, 16 through 22. And as we do so, I want to set up the context for you. 
Like in every, in nearly every area of our life, we have a model or a map and a destination in mind. Um, like in school, clear competencies, how do I pass my math class, right? In trades, trade school, we have apprenticeship, how do I weld at a particular master, master level? And at your office, you probably have on-the-job training. Well, <clears throat> I remember when I worked at Starbucks, yes, the bean burner company, and yes, I was one of them, and uh, 4 a.m., and I would not... Pass my, I couldn't pass my trained, I wasn't fully trained until I read a huge thick book and I made every single drink that they had. It was a lot of coffee. So <clears throat> with that in mind though, we all need a map or model or somewhere, something to be able to take us. Well, in Luke 4, Jesus, he's yet to start his ministry and he's beginning with the end in mind. And really what he's doing is he's reading his map. He's reading his model, his messianic job description. He's giving his destination and his why. So it's a really important passage for us to be able to understand. And in it, God is going to provide Jesus with clarity on his relationship with God the Father and the Spirit. He's going to give him clarity about his identity um, as Messiah. And then it's also going to give him his responsibility of what Messiah ought to do. So these are important things for us to, to reflect upon, especially as we begin with the end in mind. So let's read. And he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue or the church basically at that time. And on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to, to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set, at to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And all the eyes of those in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Look, the significance of what Jesus is doing here in this passage cannot be overlooked, but it can be easily missed. We gotta have this context, right? When people saw and heard this passage, this passage was paramount for understanding the Messiah. It, they knew. Like, okay, example. John three sixteen. for God so loved the, that he gave his only. Okay, just as you did that, they would have known this passage verse for verse. They would have known everything about it, right? So these people, when he... When he sat down and he said, today it's being fulfilled, they knew what he was saying. He's saying, I am the Messiah, the one that you have been waiting for for over 400 years. You have been waiting for me. This is a huge statement that Jesus is making. And so there are three elements here that from this messianic passage that I want to highlight because Jesus is beginning 
his ministry with this passage. He is saying this is everything that's going to happen. So he wants to begin with the end in mind. And eventually he'll come back to it throughout his life, reading it and, and remembering what he ought to do. It was his job description, essentially. It was how he ought to live. And so there's some really important things for us, too, to be able to understand. There are three of them that I want us to take away from today. The first is this, is to be with God. See, in verse 18, Jesus is clarifying his position. He's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's talking about his relationship with God the Father. He's talking about how, how he is with him. The spirit and it's, is, is indwelling Jesus to be able to live out a particular life. But notice, it, it's not Jesus does these things. There's an order to them. First, it's he is with God. He is one with him. Throughout Jesus' life, he's, we see this come to fruition. He gets up early to be able to spend time with the Father. He willingly obeys the Father. He cries out to the Father when before, in the Garden of Gethsemane before he gives up his life. Communing with him, Jesus is often found alone with God the Father. It's important for us to know that Jesus was wanting to be with God. And then the second thing that we see is that Jesus is becoming the Messiah. He's living out his identity. See, he is anointed. See, the Spirit has upon, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Anointing is an important biblical term. It symbolizes the holiness and the authority of an individual. A king or a prophet, a priest, they were all anointed to signify that they had been set apart from everyone else, that they had been selected for the specific role, and that they had authority. Now, Jesus, he lives this out. You know, like Luke 2.42, right? He says, even as a young child, he grows up in wisdom and in stature. He goes to the temple and he ends up learning from all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those who knew the scriptures so well. He, it, what does he tell Mary? Hey, Mary, you know where I had to be. Yeah, I wasn't with you on the train because you left too early because Gamaliel was teaching me these really great things about the Lord and I needed to hang out with him some more. Like, okay, that was funny for the Bible jokes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but the point being is that Jesus understood who he, was, who he ought to be. He understood that he was Messiah and that that was who God had called him to be. And then as Messiah, then he ended up doing Messiah things. See, he brings, he serves ultimately. He brings good news to the poor Freedom to the prisoners. He gives sight to the spiritually blind and to the physically blind. He gives freedom to those who are crushed by the weight of life and all of its pain. And boy, don't we have a little bit of pain in our lives? Or is it just me? Don't we have a little bit of anxiety from this past year? Like, I'm, I wish it wasn't that way. But here's what Jesus has come. He's come to be able to give us peace. To be able to lift that burden. He's come to be able to give you new, fresh and new hope. Jesus, he lives it out. He does Messiah things. And so here he is, he's sitting in the synagogue in his hometown, knowing what's before him. And he, what does he do? He reminds himself of what he ought to do. 
He begins with the end in mind. That he needs to first be with the Lord. Then he needs to become the Messiah. He needs to live out of his identity that God has given him. And then he knows specifically about what the tasks that are at hand for him to do. Isaiah 61 served as a model and a map for Jesus' ministry. But what about us? Because I'm not the Messiah. No, you're not the Messiahs. There's only one of them, and that was for him. But yet Jesus, he commands you and I to be able to follow him. And in Matthew 28, later on, later in his ministry, right before he leaves, he says, hey, go make disciples. Go and be able to help people to follow me. Well, where's our map? Well, thankfully, the Bible's got a lot to say about that. (laughs) See, we know, (laughs) and together... Over this past year, we as a pastoral team have been looking at like, okay, what does it look like to be able to follow Jesus? How can we create this profile of a disciple so that we can know like what we're shooting at? Like, how do we end up knowing what that looks like? And there was a few things that we discussed and we know like that following Jesus isn't just this one-time event. It's a journey. And we know that it's dynamic. It's not static. Two steps forward, one step back, so on and so forth. We know that it's personal and it's not uniform or cookie cutter. And we know that it leads as well to this observable change. I'm less like myself, I'm more like Jesus. I have more of the fruit of the Spirit and less of my sinful selfishness. We know that it requires an intentional leader. A, a relational environment with that individual who can help us to be able to see the good parts and correct us simultaneously. And then it also requires a reproducible process because Jesus actually said, go and do it again. Make them throughout all the nations. And there was a couple other things that we were thinking, ah, oh, man, these are really important things. You can see there's some complexity here, Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> but like one of them is like, we know that it needs to be bound by the Bible. Like whatever we choose to be able to put as our target, we want to be like Jesus and we want it to be front and center because the Bible is our ultimate authority of faith and practice. And we know that we want it to be delighting in and centered on Jesus. And specifically his work on the cross and his resurrection because without that, we are dead in our own sin. And we want the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to be coming and to indwell us. Because we know that without him partnering with him, we can't produce his fruit. And then we know we want it to not just be about us. We want it to be about bringing about his kingdom here in the world. We want to make up there come down here. Those are things that we were like talking about. So you can see like there's a lot of things that are in there. But thankfully like, well, why don't we just take what Jesus did? That's a good idea. So there are three phrases that have helped us to identify what a disciple, a follower of Jesus looks like. And this passage that we just read really fleshes it out for us. And here are the three phrases that we have that we think could be helpful for us. The first one is this. Be with Jesus. Sweet. The second one is become like Jesus. Understand and live out your identity. And then do what Jesus did. 
That's the same thing that Jesus did in Isaiah 61. He spent time with the Lord. He was with him. He knew that he was, the spirit was upon him. And then he lived out his anointing, that is, his identity as Messiah. He understood and grew up and into and lived out of his identity that God had given him. And then he did Messiah things, being able to be ultimately the savior of the world, helping bring life and life to the full to all of us. So for us, we want to be like him. We want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. And there's a lot more that can go into this. So I'll just give like a, a really quick overview of like, what does it look like to be with him? So to be with him looks like being constantly connected to the king. Like how can we use our spiritual disciplines to daily, privately and corporately be with him? Communing with him, actually enjoying God. Do you remember the last time you enjoyed him? Do you remember the last time that you just smiled because you were in his presence? Or you felt that love of God? Let me encourage you. If you are like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. And if you're like, I remember that once. Sometimes it's the absence of God and you actually knowing that, that is actually revealing to you that he's drawing you back because he's got more to offer you. If that is empty and you long for him and long for that, he says, come back. I'm ready for you. I got more in store for you. And it's not about going in and doing things. It's about just coming and being in his presence, enjoying God and who he is, praying through and being able to, to really grasp how high and deep and and great his love is for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but every time I wake up in the morning, I look myself in the, air, in the mirror, I'm like, dang, that guy needs some grace. But maybe that's just me. But somehow I know it's not. Know that he is here for you too. And we see Jesus live that way. He lives with the Father. He gets up early, way before the coffee. I don't even know if coffee was made back then. That's pretty sad if it wasn't. But Jesus knew about it. And <clears throat> he was in a good region for it. But apart that, <clears throat> he, he, he was, and you know what was cool about this? This is, this is one. He, he sought to be before he did. Right? So be before you do. He he was with God, then he went out and did stuff. What a model for us in our highly fast-paced world, is it not? I mean, how much hustle and bustle do we have in life? Now, it's one thing if you end up having kids and whatnot, but that in and of itself is its own entity, where how much more so do we need to just sit for a second? Intentionally. It can make a world of a difference. We want to be a church that seeks to intentionally be with Jesus. And you know, like as parents, we know that children are influenced by those who are around them. And so as we, we seek to spend time with Jesus, we want to become more like our best friend. <clears throat> and when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are born again. We have been given a new identity 
And so we want to be able to, just as Jesus lived out his anointing as Messiah, we are not Messiah, but I'm trying to say that Jesus knew who, his identity, we want to know ours. We want to know that we are secure, that we are loved, that there is nothing that can ever separate us from him. We want to live from that place of security, that place of strength and power. I remember when our life group, there was uh, one of our members brought a list of, uh, that was about our identity in Jesus. And so there was like 13, 15 things. And, and each morning I would read through them. I am chosen. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am free. I am a new creation in Jesus. So many different things that helped be, me be able to take on the day. I mean, and don't we as need that? Maybe, it's, is it just me? Oh, do we need that? <laughs> like, I think we do, people. Like, wake up with me. Come on, you're the 11 o'clock. You're up. We, we need, uh, how many students do we even know? How many people live with this, such anxiety? Well, part of the anxiety is because we don't even have the, the clarity about who we are. We ask these big questions, and where do we end up getting the answers from? Well, here is Jesus saying, here, find it in me. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to cultivate that character of Jesus inside and outside of us, understanding and obeying and searching the scriptures to be able to understand and then apply who he says we are through the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 John 2, 6, it says that whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And Jesus lived out of his identity. And finally, we want to do what Jesus did. We want to be imitators of God. So it says Ephesians 5.1. We want to bring heaven here to earth to be able to use our spiritual gifts to be able to serve others and advance his kingdom. And we do that by doing life together, serving sacrificially, joining community of believers. That is a life group, test drive, come check it out. It's going to be awesome. That is learning about our spiritual gifts. There's going to be a class about understanding your spiritual gifts a little bit later on in the, in the year. It's going to be great. I highly encourage you that if you haven't identified what your own spiritual gifts are, take the class. Come join us. And we see that, we want, uh, that Jesus did all of the things in Isaiah 61 of that Messiah was called to do. He did. And so we want to be like Jesus modeling, following him as our model, him as our map. And we want to do this because one day we are going to stand before Jesus. And the apostle Paul, he began his ministry with the end in mind. He understood that following Jesus, that he had his own path. And thankfully he gives us some clear things that we ought to shoot for, that we ought to go after and he says the point of his ministry in this next, in this next verse, it's in uh, Galatians 4, 9. He says that his work is to be able to work until Christ is formed in you. So what he's wanting to do is to help you look more and more like Jesus. And then he says later, in, or in another book in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says this. He says, him, that is Jesus, we proclaim. 
We warn everyone and we teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature, mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. That is what Paul wants. That's his end. So so that one day at the end of our life, we will see Jesus face to face and he will hopefully say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what Paul was after. That's what Jesus modeled. And that's where here, what we want to do. And so no matter where you are with Jesus, we want to help you take your next step with him. We want to teach here, train, equip you to become mature and complete, to be with him, to become like him, to do what Jesus did. And discipleship is not just a one hour a week type of thing, if you didn't know. You can't just come on Sunday and that be enough. It's a part of the process, for sure. Especially when you guys sing like this, this is awesome. But it's so much more. It's more than a nine to five and it's more than, it's a 24 seven, 168 hour a week thing. It requires us getting up and being able to seek God and our own individual time with him, being with him. Taking intentional classes and things to be able to help fill my mind about understanding and refining who I am and whose I am. It takes me sacrificing and doing things like Jesus that are probably outside of my own comfort zone. Because that's what Jesus did. Just like a child spiritually or physically grows up, first they are non-existent and then they're born, right? Just like Hudson over there. And Hudson, a little baby boy, super cute. Oh man, and there's nothing like a little baby they'd be able to hold. Okay, that's cute. And then, and then they grow up, right? They grow way faster than you really think. And then until eventually they become like a high schooler. And then they're dealing with the anxiety of like, how do I manage my time with, and my academics and my social life and my, and my, and they just sometimes just keep spinning, right? Life is challenging and difficult. It's a maturing. Maturing takes energy. Maturing is hard. Maturing is full of change. And then you end up getting to be a parent where you get the chance to push duplicate and then get the chance to be able to try again to be able to raise your own children. Well, that journey of our own physical life is challenging. So why would we expect our spiritual life to be any different? See, our spiritual life also is challenging. It's full of change. There are different stages and phases of our own life that are necessary to be able to grow up I can, do you remember, I'm not a parent, but I remember holding Hudson for the first time. And maybe you remember what it was like and how beautiful it was to be able to hold your baby for the first time. Do you remember that? Man. And then they pooped, (laughs) right? And then they screamed. And then they're like, oh, who can I give this back to, right? Like, oh, man, right? Like, that stage of life is all about them, right? And then in the infant stage, the two-year-olds, guess who is it about? Me, 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 I, 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 right? It's all about them. 
but you have to help them grow and mature. Well, same thing within the spiritual world. It's all about us when we're young. When we're young in Christ, it's all about me. And it doesn't matter what I physically look like. I could be, I, I could be old looking and I could be spiritually young and vice versa, by the way. I could be like Timothy and I could be young, but I could be spiritually mature. And then when we get to a young adult and adulthood, it shifts. It goes less about me and more about others. Till eventually you are a parent and you are helping everyone else down the line being able to take their next steps with Jesus. These are the things that we are going on a journey with and maturing together. And that can be difficult and challenging, but Jesus never promised easy. He said, take up your cross and follow me. My friend says, it's the sweat that makes it sweet. Look, if you're like me, you'll fail a bunch of times, but in it you can and hopefully will discover that you are more loved than you ever knew. And if you needed a reminder about how loved you are, may you take this that we just did of communion and be reminded that you are loved. And may you begin with the end in mind, growing up so that you will be mature and complete in Jesus and that we would do that together so that one day when we end up seeing Jesus, he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? So here's your next step. Here's your homework. <laughs> Be with Jesus this week. Decide right now before you leave those and go out those doors, when will you be with him this week? It could be five seconds. It could be five minutes. Whatever that is, where will you be with Jesus? And just sitting in his presence and enjoying him. May he meet you and fill you, restore you, and empower you. May you be changed because of your decision today to be able to spend time with him later. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for these friends and the chance to be able to journey together. Thank you for your love. Thanks for the clarity about what it looks like to follow you, to be with you, to become like you, and to do what you've done. Thank you for that. I pray and ask for your help. As a pastor, help me to be able to, to learn my part in leading us to be able to be more like you, to, to, to fulfill that. And I pray that you would help everyone here to have the heart and desire to be able to do some more. And may we, Jesus, at the end of this year, because we're starting with the end in mind, may we look more like you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In your son's name, and everybody said, amen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.